Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Cuatro Cuatro Dos. Once again, this is your boy Christian, and for the doc in the docket today, what we have is we will be talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly of match week number one. So stay tuned. Hopefully, you guys enjoy it, and here we go. Alright, so here we go. Let's go ahead and begin with the good of this World Cup. We had 16 matchups match week one. Uh, we already look kind of looking into match week two, but we're not going to get into that. We're going to save that for the end of the week. But one of the things that started off the bat was the first game. The first game of this World Cup, I think we had something great to kind of take away from that. Uh, we have a good, strong Ecuador coming in against Qatar, the, the host. And uh, Ecuador make history. Uh, usually, you know, the host tends to have the first game of the match, the first game of the World Cup, and it has happened throughout history that they usually win, or in this case, they actually never lose, right? So it's usually a victory or a tie, but never a loss. Ecuador came in, not a strong favorite, not you know a strong uh, team per se in that group, you know, having Senegal and the Netherlands, other than Qatar and Ecuador. Uh, and a lot of people maybe thought about Ecuador being a one of the easiest, I guess we could say, without being disrespectful, one of the easiest teams for this Qatar to maybe get, you know, that win to kind of kick off the, the World Cup, right? But Ecuador had a, other plans in mind, you know. They came in, looked very solid, looked very strong, have a uh, really great player and captain in Valencia, who had, you know, a quote-unquote hat trick. One of his first goals got a call back due to uh, VAR marking him off sides. But he was able to actually come back and actually put in a brace for the end of the match. So, men of the match, captain and leader of this Ecuador team. One of the good things about this World Cup so far, starting off, kicking off strong this World Cup. And Ecuador, as a whole, as a group, as a team, as a unit, has been one of the best teams in this World Cup. And let's be honest, who who could have ever imagined that, you know, a tiny country in South America like Ecuador, where we're used to seeing, you know, quote-unquote the greats like Brazil, Argentina, maybe in Uruguay, um, you would see Ecuador being kind of like the shining light of the continent. So, shout-out to Ecuador. Uh, for putting on a great show in the first, you know, in the first and only game of that day, of day one, and kind of showing everybody that, you know, they, they have a lot of strengths and they can do a lot of damage in this World Cup. Uh, going in, we had a really good England who played with Iran. Um, they came in pretty strong, scored six on them. Obviously, the the youth and the talent that is in those ranks of England was no match for Iran who, you know, slowly but surely is trying to get back in this World Cup. So we had today the match, the second, first match of uh, match week two, which we're not going to talk about, but, you know, they did get a win. Uh, so slowly but surely they're getting into it. But England, you know, starting off very high with a 6-2, six goals for them, which we thought it was probably going to be the biggest, you know, scoring game in this World Cup. Until, you know, we have to wait a little bit longer, but we're going to talk about uh, what uh, Spain has been doing too, right? 
Uh, as we move on, another good thing that we saw was France. France coming in also very strong. A lot of talent, a lot of good players. You know, with Giroud, Giroud, and Mbappé, and you know a bunch of other guys that have been this core, you know, team and and kind of blending it into the bad, which I'm going to talk about here in a little bit, which are the injuries that we had. One of the things that friends had to deal with was with the injury of Karim Benzema. You know, the, the Ballon d'Or winner, uh, you know, freshly crowned Ballon d'Or winner had to sit out for this World Cup with an injury. And it just kind of sucks that, you know, that happened for them. But obviously they are not missing him, right? So that's when you know that the current champions, the defending champions, have a good team, such a good team that, you know, they're missing a bunch of other players, you know, other than uh, Karim Benzema, Paul Pogba, um, and Ignolo Kante, and, you know, many others that we could name. But they're doing a great job, and they came out with a 4-1 victory. Actually, after starting to, you know, on a losing foot against Australia, they were losing 1-0. They came back, beat them 4-1. Another great highlight of this World Cup, I think, uh, and one that maybe we did not expect, but we kind of saw it coming, you know, little by little, was Japan. Japan, the Asian country, the island country of Japan, coming in also very strong with a, uh, no, that was that was Korea with the funny formation. Uh, but um, just coming in, you know, Kind of relatively unknown in a way. Uh, A lot of these players, you know, they they play in different leagues uh, throughout the world. A lot of them, you know, in Japan. And, you know, Japan is not known as being one of the giant. But in this case, they became one of the giant slayers. Beating Germany 2-1. And once again, not only beating them, but coming back from a 1-0 deficit to beat them 2-1. Another contender, not contender, boy, I guess we can call him a contender, was Brazil. Brazil, obviously, came in, did their work, put in their, their shift against Serbia. Uh, Richarlison, you know, coming in with two great goals with a brace. The second one being uh, an amazing little, bi- not a bicycle kick, a little scissor kick that he set up for himself. You know, with Vinicius on one side and um, not in my bet, Neymar on the and maybe on the other, kind of like in the middle of them. Uh, I mean, Brazil is just packed with stars, not only in the field but in the bench. And it's kind of crazy when you see the names that they have in the bench, and you're like, wait, they're not starting. And then you look at the starting eleven, you're like, oh well, that makes a lot of sense, right? Like, so many names, so many things that are going on there. So shout out to uh, Brazil. Shout out to Richarlison. Who has, you know, he who's making his debut? You know, he just went from a relatively smaller team in the Premier League to Tottenham, who happens to kind of be one of these top teams, you know, in the last few years, and now he's kind of consoli- consolidating himself as one of the world's strikers, one of the world's best strikers, and I think this World Cup, or at least this match, has shown the world the talent that he could bring into, you know. The world moving forward to the Premier League and, you know, whatever else comes his way in the future. And then last but not least, well, actually, no, let's let's leave uh, let's leave the goalkeepers to the end. But uh, let's talk about Saudi Arabia, man. Saudi Arabia 
probably by far the best thing out of this World Cup. You know, if we're going to look at the good that came out of this world, you know, this match week one, uh, we for sure have to talk about Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia came in with a game plan, executed to perfection, and, you know, kept Messi and the stars of Argentina to a one goal you know, via a penalty kick that was kind of like, mm, I don't know if it was a penalty kick. You know, it looked kind of sketchy in a way, right? But they came back in the second half. I don't know if you have, if you guys have seen, but lately, this past few days, a uh, tape was released, a video was released of the coach of Saudi Arabia giving them a, you know, a strong and persuasive and, you know, just very... You know, I w- I want to say acclimated, but I don't know if that's the correct word. But very uh, t- like a Ted Lasso on drugs type of talk, and and at the halftime, you know, to these players, which is interesting because he doesn't speak their language, they don't speak his, yet he's able to convey you know that passion, that love, that fire that you know players need in this World Cup, and and it's great to see you know players and coaches. Even though they are not able to maybe uh, communicate, you know, fluently, they're able to communicate in soccer, communicate in passion, communicate in fire in their heart and their soul to go and win a match against a Argentina of Leo Messi and Di Maria and Lautaro Martinez and like so on and on and on and on. Like you can just keep naming stars in that Argentina team. And they came in and they put two bangers you know, back of the net, two goals, and, you know, even now, it says, like, the prince of Saudi Arabia is going to gift them uh, maybe Rolls Royces, uh, so shout out to Saudi Arabia, not only they get to win, you know, this great matchup, literally coming out of match week one on top of the table, who would have ever thought, uh, but now they're looking down, you know, at Argentina, at Mexico, at Poland, you know, they're right under them, so Saudi Arabia, Probably the best out of this match week one. And then honorable mention and also, you know, last but not least, um, Memo, Ochoa, and Courtois. Uh, two of the goalkeepers, obviously in this World Cup, but both of them kept their teams alive. So Memo uh, playing with Mexico, of course. Um, they were playing Poland. And thanks to his save, uh, Mexico was able to leave that game with one point you know tied 0-0 with Poland he shut down Lewandowski out of everybody that you could imagine Lewandowski was shut down uh, and then on the other side Courtois with Belgium he shut down Alfonso Davies of Canada so when you look at Canada when you look at the great game that they did um, how they've been doing you know throughout these qualifiers and coming you know the best in CONCACAF and you know just going into this World Cup as a maybe as a dark horse of not a favorite but one of the strong teams that kind of nobody knows about yet they have like their own little secret weapons and Courtois was able to stop you know a Bayern Munich player a, a player that you know came out of the MLS and now he's killing it in Bayern Munich you know valued over 70 million dollars you know, who would have ever thought an MLS player that came out of Vancouver, you know, now valued at over $70 million. 
And Afonso Davies, I mean, he has been killing it, in, you know, in, in the world of soccer. And then this time around, he wasn't able to put it in the back of the net. Courtois, Cape, Cape, he literally kept his team in the game. And then Belgium was able to get one back and, you know, leave that game with three points. So, shout out to goalkeepers, man. Shout out to goalkeepers that know how to, you know, stop penalties. You know, they're so vital. They're so important. Especially in these World Cups that the games are so, so tight. I mean, every game other than two were by two goals or less. Or actually three games. The 7-0 Spain, Costa Rica. The 4-1 France, Australia. And the England 6-2 to Iran. Every other game was either a 2-0, a 3-2, a 1-0, a 0-0, you know, a 1-1. So they were all pretty close games. So... Being that said, let's go ahead and move on to the bad and then to the ugly. There's not a lot of those, like I said. A lot of the good things, you know, stayed in the good column. Uh, but some of the bad things that happened were Neymar getting injured in that Brazil game against Serbia. So he came out, I don't know if you guys saw the pictures, but his ankle was extremely swollen, extremely, you know, just huge. And uh, he's probably not expected to uh, play in the next two games for Brazil. If Brazil, you know, makes it out of this group stage, which a lot of people don't have any doubt of that, he should be able to back, you know, should be able to come back and uh, play. So, you know, hopefully we wish the best for Neymar. Uh, another player that unfortunately got injured and he actually got injured in that goal from Australia against France was Hernandez, the left back who it seems like he tore his ACL on one of his legs. I think it was his left leg, if I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong, but I mean, it's a 50-50, right? Um, but yeah, he tore his ACL, had to come out, you know, in the first 10 minutes of the game. And unfortunately, he's going to be missing, you know, the entire remainder of this World Cup. And, you know, uh, France being one of the, also the favorites, I mean, reigning champs, it just sucks that players uh, have to come out, you know, due to injuries. And and another bad thing, but let me just say something a little bit about injuries before, because, you know, we sit here and, you know, we have a whole list of players that unfortunately were not able to make it, uh, you know, from Karim Benzema to Paul Pogba, Kante, you know, uh, Timo Werner. For Germany, Diogo Jota. For Portugal, I mean, you can just keep naming them. You know, um, Arthur Melo, Diego Carlos for Brazil, Riz James, Tecatito Corona for Mexico, Giovanni Lucelso, Correa for Argentina, Sadio Mane for Senegal, uh, Delaney for Denmark, you know, and Harrit for Morocco. And you can just keep naming and naming and naming players that. You know, due to the length, you know, how everything kind of was positioned, you know, the dates and where this World Cup kind of landed in the calendar for soccer, uh, it just kind of put a lot of stress in the bodies of these players. You know, these these dudes are fine-tuned machines in a way, and, you know, they some of, some of these guys literally played a week before the World Cup ended when, you know, and usually in a World Cup year, they have at least a month to, you know, get with their team, kind of rest, get together, plan everything out, and just get ready to have a good World Cup. And the bad of, it, of this World Cup has been, you know, the weird dates and, and everything that kind of has been happening 
when it comes to the planning and planification of putting these games together and and just kind of going through with that, you know. And a lot of these players, you know, coming with a little knock and now we see uh, getting injured, you know, to a to a worse degree, you know, to to becoming a worse injury, right? So that's also one of the bad things that we would have to point out about match week one. The injuries previous to this World Cup and during this, you know, some of them accidentally, like uh, Sharani from um, Saudi Arabia, who got kneed in the face. And unfortunately, I think he might have fractured. I think he did fracture his jaw or his uh, somewhere in his face. Um, but he got knocked out by this goalkeeper. You know, it's an accidental um you know those things happen in the games you know collisions and then stuff like that that happens and it's just it just sucks that you know those those things those things have to happen but you know soccer it is a sport of contact so those things tend to happen you know here and there you know everyone's in a blue moon but you know wish him all the best hopefully he he comes back he actually was playing a really good game with Saudi Arabia so it just sucks that his time got cut got cut shirt his time got cut short. And there you go. Uh, you know, due to a uh, an unfortunate play where nothing happened and he got the worst of it, right? Uh, so that was the bad of this World Cup. And then when you're thinking, wait, there's more to it? Yeah. Let's talk about the ugly of this World Cup. I have three things in the ugly. One of, one of the terrible things that I think has been happening. So a lot of people have been talking about these extra time, you know, these extra minutes after the game and personally i don't see it as a bad thing you know just when you look at you know soccer and you look at those 90 minutes and you kind of plan out not plan out but you kind of break down you know which games uh actually have 90 minutes of actual playing time it's not a lot of them i mean at least 10 minutes 10 to 50 minutes kind of gets shaved off with like you know time wasting injuries uh, substitution, just the ball going out, the goalkeeper taking too long t- for a kickoff, and you know, so on and so on. And I think it adds up to a long, long time. So, adding 10 minutes to a game at the end of the game, you know, because of time wasting and you know, whatever situation, you know, yellow cards and this and that, you know, setting up for free kicks, like those sometimes can take like up to like minute and a half, two minutes, and you're like, whoa, you know, time is passing by. But obviously, we are so used to. You know, while we watch on TV and everything that that we do, that it's just kind of weird to see, you know, teams winning in the 90th, you know, third, fourth, sixth minute, you know, like teams scoring so late in the game. But it's just kind of, I think the alternative of what they were thinking was like stopping the clock during gameplay, which in my personal opinion would be a travesty because we would just look like football in a way. Uh, but it does, I mean, stopping the clock does ensure that, you know, every single second that the clock is running, you know, the sport is being played. But talk is such a fluid thing that, it, you know, it just it just can't be done like that. So I'm okay with adding minutes. So that's why I did not add it to the ugly column. But what I did add was this whole offsides and VAR thing. When you go to the first game of the World Cup, Qatar-Ecuador... Ecuador scored in the third minute, and the goal got called back. A lot of people, obviously, their minds went to maybe corruption. You know, a lot of rumors were being talked about that of Qatar maybe paying some players 
to throw to you know to throw the game and such and such right and then this game and then this goal being called back because his knee was offside it just kind of threw everything off and you know you just started wondering and asking a lot of questions at least I did right so personally there were some mistakes I think the penalty for Argentina wasn't a penalty in my opinion but I like like I said on my stream I do like free gifts and I think the penalty against Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't a penalty but there you have it right he also got a penalty he was able to score which is something I guess we can add to the good column which is Cristiano Ronaldo also making history becoming the only player to score in five different world cups so that's amazing right there it's just kind of like a, a feat of nature right like this dude has been playing top soccer for five world cups Five times four is 20 years. So imagine that. So offsides, one of the ugly things about this, I don't think they're consistent enough. And then I think they should change the rule because the rule of offsides is because being offsides gives you an advantage over your your opponent. But when you're one inch offsides or your arm is sticking out and you're beating, you know, you're beating your opponent because your body is kind of leaning one direction and their body's leaning another direction. So your shoulders are off sides. In my opinion, it's not much of an advantage. It's just, you just beat them to it. You know what I mean? Um, so I think the rules maybe have to get rewritten or revisited, you know, to kind of be a little bit more clear about what it means to be off sides in the way of what it means to have advantage over your opponent. Because being a leg off sides is not really an advantage. It's just you being smart and beating your defender to it. You know what I mean? If you were two, three steps or even one step off sides, then I completely understand because you're a full body, you know, ahead. But if you're like half a body, half a body or like your arm is sticking out, personal opinion, I don't think you should be off sides. But I, I threw that in my ugly column, right? Another ugly thing that happened in this World Cup was uh, Costa Rica. <laughs> and I apologize to my ticos, but I think that was probably one of the most disastrous things that we have seen in this World Cup. Costa Rica was just getting scored left and right. Poor defending, poor execution of whatever they were trying to do. They came out with a 5-4-1 formation. So their whole team was basically behind the ball most of the time. Um, so it's kind of insane that, you know, they came out with like four possible defenders and they still got scored on seven times. I mean, I watched the highlights of the game and some of the goals you were just, you know, scratching your head at just the defending, the poor defending of these players. I mean, you know, give credit where credit is due in Spain and all their great young talent that they have. Right. But I think Costa Rica played a, a terrible game and, you know, we just hope that they they. They're able to turn around and, you know, maybe in the second game against Japan, you know, who <laughs> happens to be a really good and strong contender now after beating Germany. Uh, you know, it doesn't look too great, but hopefully they're able to, you know, go back, refresh, regroup and come back and, you know, give Japan a run for their money. Uh, they couldn't do that with Spain, but, you know, now they have another opportunity, another chance. Nothing has been said. Nothing has been done. And, you know, maybe they can push and the next two games could be different for them. So, but as of right now, 
Costa Rica in the ugly column. And last but not least, uh, something that kind of hurts my heart, but I think it had to be done, was Argentina. <laughs> so Argentina basically lost the game to Saudi Arabia, being one of the contenders. And I think this one comes down to maybe um, underestimating your opponent, right? Um, I don't know if Argentina did. It kind of seemed like it at some point in time. Argentina did play a great game. And I don't think the execution of the game may be uh, coaching. Uh, yeah, I guess it's weird saying that as an Argentinian because, you know, you, you usually tend to criticize your own coaches, you know. But I think this one trying to be just objectively and kind of looking outside without being Argentinian, you know, without having my heart in my sleeve. I think maybe tactically they lack something that made, you know, Saudi Arabia, you know, execute in a beautiful in perfect game almost you know in their own way i mean playing you know just waiting for argentina to come to that halfway line and then having a really high line you know playing high offsides you know giving argentina three goals and then being called offsides and just giving them a weird penalty that maybe it wasn't a penalty so that was a free goal you know Easily, easily, Saudi Arabia could have left that game with a, you know, with a clean sheet. Honestly, their goalkeeper was a beast. He stopped a lot of shots. Argentina had many chances, uh, and I think their their defense was great as well. And and you know, I mean, we can just talk about their attackers. You know, they attacked twice, they scored twice, so they were lethal, they were clinical, and they did what they had to do. And for that being said, I think Argentina has to be put in this ugly you know, pile in this ugly column because, you know, they, from paper, they had everything. And honestly, they executed poorly. Uh, they did have a good game, like I said. They did control the ball. But I think Saudi Arabia overthought them, over, you know, I don't know, overplayed their heart in a way, right? I don't know if that's correct or not, but that's just my opinion, right? So maybe... Um, one of the things that actually this kind of leaves us with uh, some of these games, like, for example, the Germany lost and the Argentina lost, is that in match week two, the games that they have are going to be extremely important, extremely vital, and are going to be juicy, like juicy. Like, we're going to have to, like, watch those games. They're must-watch. So Argentina-Mexico is a must-watch for sure. And then Germany-Spain is going to be a must-watch because, you know, Spain... It's, it's kind of like chilling on the top in a way. But Germany now has to come in and, you know, they have to come and kill. Just because they lost the first game with Japan. So they got to get back on track, get back on the horse and, you know, get back on rhythm again. So at least we have those that we had to look for. And, you know, we hope that at the end of match week two, you know, a lot of crazy stuff happens as well. And match week three is going to be even crazier. So... In a week's time, we'll have, you know, a full, you know, thing, a full episode about Match Week 2. So this one was the good, the bad, and the ugly of Match Week 1. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. And, you know, let me know what you think. Did, did I get, you know, stuff wrong? Would you maybe added something else to each of the columns? Or maybe not. Would you take something and move it, you know, to another column? Uh, you know, let me know in the comments. Show me a DM, whatever it may be. But... Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for joining my Instagram lives uh, whenever I'm around. And hope you to I hope to see you guys on the next one.
Y'all have a good night. See you. Don't forget, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Bye-bye.